my life. First in-person podcast we've done on the Orlando Norman show, so I can't thank you enough for coming on here, Matthew. Mate, it's been a great pleasure being here. Well, you being here in my apartment. <laughs> yes, that's it, that's it. Uh, so you, we went to school together, just a bit of pretext for everyone that, uh, that doesn't know our relationship. Uh, we've been close friends since... 2015. 2015. Started 2015. Started 2015. Now, when you finish school, obviously, you know, we all take our different paths in life, right? Yeah. Uh, when you finish school, you started off studying uh, business with a double major in finance and business law. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. So what influenced the decision to take that pathway? To be honest, it was always going to be finance. Uh, when it comes down to the business law part, it was pretty much just uh, year 11 and 12, did the legal studies subject at school, really enjoyed that. Um, I feel like learning, I guess, the legality behind a lot of things and how the law, uh, I guess, affects everything that we do on a day-to-day basis. That kind of aspect really influenced why I wanted to do business law. However, finance, it was always like, since I was a little kid, always a little guru with the numbers, Mm. (laughs) as they would say. Um, No one said that, but... I said it, mate. I yeah, said it, mate. I was it. always copying your maths, uh, your maths homework. So telling yeah. me to lift up my exam shit. That's it. That's it. <laughs> a little eyes glancing. Uh, nah, honestly though, like I feel like when you're 16, 17 at school, you don't really know. No one really knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. It's mm-hmm. a pretty hard decision to make when you're 16 or 17 at school, haven't even you know worked full time or worked part time, nothing like that. So I feel like it was always to do with the numbers, and then I was like, well, I want to make some money. How are we going to make money? And then it was like, I can use the numbers and I guess the education I have in that regard to, to make some coin. So and then that led to that. And then when I started university, obviously really enjoyed it. And then it kind of just went from there. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because like a lot of people, obviously when they go into, which, which I think schools fail to prepare us for and like giving us a little taste of, okay, if I study this, what career, what is my day-to-day actually going to look like in this yeah. career? You, you got no I mean? idea. You got no idea. No but idea. lucky enough for you, you've actually, you know, really enjoyed studying. I did not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember that. <laughs> you really enjoyed studying. Yeah. And uh, just tell the people sort of what you're doing now and we'll track back to the studying and your internships and everything like that. So what I'm doing now, so I work for St. George Bank, uh, St. George Group actually. Um, which is, you know, St. George uh, Bank of Same Bank of Melbourne. And I'm in the lending solutions team. So what that really means is uh, I do home loan applications. So customers will call through on a day-to-day basis into the call center um, and they'll get directed to obviously my line and I will do home loan applications over the phone and also just discuss general inquiries that customers will have. So most of the time it's doing applications. Um, you know, customers will call through for new purchases, you know, whether that's investment property or an occupied property. Uh, interest-only switches, you know, relocation loans, increases, uh, top-ups on loans they've already got, uh, and I'll, I'll do those applications over the phone and pass it on to our Lending Solutions Plus team. Right, wicked. Um, just from all that jargon, then I was just like <laughs> fucking bombarded nah, right. with like uh, with with you know what what the uh, what the details of you know what you actually do. Yeah. So. Let's say I'm a first home buyer. I'm getting yeah. ready to buy a home with my girlfriend. Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, St. George Group looks pretty good. I'll, uh, I'll, it's pretty good. I'll call up uh, Matthew Udovic to, to help me with my uh, lending application. It's a good choice. So could you take me through the process of how that would look like? Let's say, you know, we, we wanted to, we've got a deposit. We want to buy a million yeah. dollar apartment. How would that look? A million dollar apartment. So 
there's a lot of things that people don't know before they actually call through. Mm -hmm. So I've had multiple conversations, probably one every second day, with customers that will call through say, I want to buy a million dollar deposit, uh, sorry, million dollar house or apartment. I've got 50 grand saved up. I've seen online that you can, you just need a 5% deposit and you, you can buy a house. It's not as black and white as that. Mm -hmm. So you can't just call through and say, or you know, you can't just apply for a home loan if you've got uh, exactly a 5% deposit and you want to buy for a million dollars. So there's a lot more to it than that, right? So let, let's just say, well, let's just say, um, you apply for a million dollar home loan. So you, first of all, you need, depending on which bank you go with, mm -hmm. but most banks, it's generally just a 5% deposit, right? Mm -hmm. So how to put that into, I guess, simpler terms is that we will lend you 95% of the value of the property, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say the property is worth one mil, 95% uh, of that, what's that? 950,000. We will lend you, is it 950,000 or is it 975? No, it's 950,000. Yeah, 950,000. So we'll lend you 950,000. Any other costs that come on top of that, you have to pay for, right? right? So you buy property, one mil, right? We, you need a $50,000 deposit just from the bank side. And then you have to pay for stamp duty and some banks will charge you lenders mortgage insurance as well. Right. So I guess first home buyers, every single bank will have different, I guess, benefits and perks and I guess, uh, What's it, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, promotions mm -hmm. regarding that. So we offer a 15, this is obviously St. George Group and any other finance institution, you know, they all have their own, I guess, promotions. Mm -hmm. um, so we offer a 15% discount. So if you have a 15% deposit, you don't have to pay lender's mortgage insurance. A lot of customers don't know about lender's mortgage insurance. Right. So if you've only got a 5% deposit and you come to us, uh, we can give you 950K. Lenders mortgage insurance is going to be at least another twenty five thousand dollars. So, what's lenders mortgage insurance for those that don't know? I.e., me. Yeah. <laughs> so, lenders lenders mortgage insurance, to put it simply, is uh, insurance for the bank. So, even when we when we establish a loan, when a customer has lenders mortgage insurance, we have to read them a disclosure saying that lenders mortgage insurance protects the bank if you're unable to meet your repayments. It right. doesn't protect you. Okay. So it protects us. Yeah. So. If you have a loan, or if, if you're um, if you haven't got a minimum of a twenty percent deposit, you're going to pay lenders mortgage insurance. Yeah. If you're a first home buyer, you need a minimum of a fifteen percent deposit. Right. And it has to be for owner occupied property. So if you're buying your first investment property and it's not you're not going to live in it, you have to have a twenty percent deposit. Right. However, if you're going to buy your first owner occupied property and you're going to move in there, you need a minimum of a fifteen percent deposit. So I'm going to get a bit sidetracked, but that's that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get into the question. So. With the lender's mortgage insurance, I mean, from my own Neanderthal perspective, it would basically be a better advantage in terms of the higher income that you have, the lower the lower the insurance premiums you'd have to pay, correct? So, not really, no. It's all based on how much savings you've got, how much equity you've got. If you've already owned another property, that's how you can use equity. Mm -hmm. But if you've only, you're buying your first property, it's all about how much savings you've got. So, the, the more savings you have, and we call it a loan-to-value ratio, right, which is the size of the loan divided by the value of the property. So if you've got a $950,000 loan, yeah. you divide that by a mil, that's 95%. Right. Right. So we base everything off of LVR, we call it, a loan to value ratio. So if you've got a 20% deposit, that's an 80% LVR. Yeah. Because you've got, you know what I mean? It's a flip so side. is LVR like another term for like basic success rate of the, of the, um, 
you know, not the lender, but the person applying for the loan to pay it back? No, so there's, there's two things. We'll go into that a little bit later on. There's two things that every bank will look for. There's one that's called equity. It's pretty much two tests that we look for, right? The equity test, which is the savings, or if you own multiple properties, mm-hmm. equity. So like if you've paid down some of those loans and your LVR is below that 80% threshold mm-hmm. on other properties, you can draw equity from that to put towards this right. and you don't physically have to put that in cash. Right, so you can flip your assets basically. Yeah, and, you can yeah. use your assets yeah. rather than having to put down savings for right. each individual property. Wicked. Like some people will come to us and say, I've got zero dollars, but I've got a property that's worth three mil and I only owe 200 grand on it. Right. I want to use that property as equity. To refinance. To, re, to, you know, right. to purchase a new property. Right. And then we'll be able to lend you, you know, 150, well not that you need 150%, but we can lend you 110% of the value of the property mm-hmm. because we're going to take this other one as security as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sort of. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so I'll try to put it in simple terms, right? We keep getting taken off topic, but yeah. <laughs> so let's say I got one property, right? Yeah. One owner-occupied property, yeah? I owe $500,000 on it and it's worth $1 million. Mm-hmm. So we can, the 80% mark mm-hmm. is very, very crucial, right? So any loan-to-value ratio over 80%, yeah. you have to pay insurance on it. Okay, right? so that's a, and the insurance fee. So that, that's be... only when you get the loan, because lo- yeah. the lender's mortgage insurance is always paid upfront mm-hmm. when you establish the loan, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got a property here worth five, oh, sorry, worth a million dollars, I owe 500,000 on it. And then I want to purchase a new property, I've got zero dollars, mm-hmm. right? So 500,000 divided by a mil, 50%. Mm-hmm. I can increase up to 80% which is another 300,000 that I, not increased, but I can use that as equity mm-hmm. to buy a new property without any insurance. Right, okay, I get you. So let's say I want to buy another property with 500,000, yeah? What's 20% of that, 100 grand. Mm-hmm. So I can use $100,000 of equity. You, you, It doesn't work exactly like that, how yeah. we would just take 100,000 from this one. But because you've got $300,000 in equity there, you can use that to purchase this new property, not pay insurance, and not require a cent because we're going to take both properties as security. Right. Okay. And then we combine the two together. Yeah. So you've got $1.5 million in assets. Let's say you borrowed five fifty to purchase a $500,000 property. Mm-hmm. You owe $1,050,000 mm-hmm. on assets worth $1.5 million. Right. So it combines the two together and your portfolio equity is then, let's say like 66 point or even might be like 70% overall. Yeah. So then because you're below that threshold, you have so much equity in this one, yeah. you avoided paying insurance on that one. Right, okay. So the bank's using that. The, the other house is almost collateral. Exactly for, right. Okay. For the new property. Because yeah. you owe so little on that, like mm-hmm. a loan to value ratio of 50%, it's really good. A lot of customers will come through with a lot higher loan to value ratio. Yeah. So that's a very good LBR. And we just use that to help you purchase the new property. Interesting. I'm mutually beneficial but, as well. Yeah. But then the only other thing that comes into play, mm. so there's the equity test, and then there's also what we call serviceability test. And serviceability is all just based on your income. So how much physical dollars you make compared mm. to your expenses and liabilities. Mm. So expenses is like living expenses, and how much you pay for groceries, you know, insurances, um, you know, petrol, all that kind of stuff. And then liabilities are like, if you have another home loan, mm-hmm. if you have credit cards, personal loans, leases, all that kind of stuff. So basically serviceability in simple terms is like, do they actually have the funds to pay to off? To pay it off, yeah. yeah. Exactly right, based on our calculations. Okay. So okay. we have our own, I guess, serviceability requirement. Yeah. You know, some customers will say, well, I can meet the repayments, you know, I've got, I'll make this much money in the repayments of this. doesn't matter. Yeah. We have our own serviceability requirements. If you don't meet those requirements, you're not getting the loan. Yeah. 
Simple as that. Interesting. So, and there's ways that we can help them push the application further. You know, there's ways that we can, I guess, help them in like little numbers that we can change. You know, yeah. for example, just trying to get the best interest rate. If they're negatively gearing their property, we can do that. That's a whole nother thing. Don't worry yeah. about that. Um, little things like that. You know what I mean? We yeah. can just push the application as far as possible. Obviously being completely legal. Nothing illegal going on, but and we, we can try and help them out. But mm-hmm. bottom line, if you don't meet serviceability, even if you have 10 properties and you're trying to get your 11th one and, you, and you're not working or you know, you're making 20 grand a year working part-time, it's not going to happen. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, just watch the tapping on the table for the, oh, you know, sorry, for sorry. the microphones. But what are some of the like, real rookie mistakes from first home buyers that you have experience coming to you as like okay i want to buy my first home i've saw online i need 20 grand to just you know and then i'm good and then i've got my first home <laughs> yeah right so it's in rookie mistakes. so like so, what what's something for our listeners to like take home in terms of value like what not to do when they want to buy yeah. uh their first home i would say a lot of people actually have like their parents call through hmm. right a lot of people will say call through and say, hi, my name is Julie. I've got my son here who's 32 years old. He wants to buy his first property, right? No, I'm being dead set. Really? It happens all the time. Bullshit. All the time. I swear to God. Mummy's helping you buy a house. You know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, my son works full time. You know, (laughs) it's funny, but it happens. It it seriously happens. And I'm sitting there going, you can't be dead set. Yeah. You got to be fair enough if she's you're asking questions, but they are seriously saying my son is 32 years old. Yeah. You know, he still lives at home with me and he <laughs> <laughs> Don't you make me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's not obviously if you have someone that can help you of course, in that situation, guide you through. take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But also you're 32 years old. Mm-hmm. You can't your mum's not and the thing is your mum's not liable for that. Yeah, your she's calling on your regard, and she's going to tell you, "Oh yeah, Johnny, sign this, do this, do that, go mm-hmm. for a fixed loan." She doesn't. She know, she doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And even if she does, why can't you, a thirty-two-year-old person, or any, not even thirty-two, scrap that? Why can't you, as an adult, call through and ask the questions yourself? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I understand. No, the thing is that I, yeah, it makes sense. I, I have conversations with customers for forty-five minutes. They call through. They say to me, "Matt, I'm going to be straight honest with you." I know fuck all about home loans. Mm-hmm. I've never even spoke to someone about it. Can you please help us out? And when they say that and they're upfront honest, I'm like, you know what? By the end of this phone conversation, I'm going to tell this guy everything I know. Mm. And I'll stay on the phone with him for 45 minutes to an hour and we'll just talk about, he's not even going to apply, mm. but he just wants to know. Right. And the thing is that that puts in his head that that bloke I spoke to at St. George, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So if I ever want to go back somewhere, we're going to go to St. George. Right. And also that not then he's not referring to his mum who may or may not have a clue about anything yeah and then he knows for himself because there's so many people that will call through and ask me all these questions and the first thing i see because their profile comes up right Mm. obviously can't go into too much detail but their profile will come up i get to see everything and i will see through they're on like let's say they're on a variable loan right they haven't called through to negotiate a better interest rate on their home loan in years they're on Five, four to five percent, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the current interest rates are two point five, sometimes even lower, mm. and they're sitting on five percent. Why? Because they don't know how to use the loan. They got no idea what they're doing. Yeah, they've just got the loan. They've gone, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to sit on it. They don't even know that you can. You can just call through, have a 
five, 10 minute conversation with someone and they could drop your interest rate from 4.5% or 5% to three or to high twos. Which on a $300,000 loan, that's going to save you six to, to seven, eight grand a year. And, and they're just sitting on it com- Compounding that over like, you know, some, some of these exactly homes are what, right. 30, 40, 50 year home loans? Yeah, 30 years the 30 highest. Years? Yeah. 30 years the highest? Even if you sit on it for 10 years, that's 68 to 80 grand. You know, the thing is they've had these loans for 10 years mm. and now they're sitting on it and then they haven't realized that you can just call through and do that. They haven't got the knowledge because they probably didn't ask these questions. Mm. They probably just went, oh, I need to buy a house. Let's go buy a house. I'm just going to talk to you know, my uncle who knows, says he knows about home loans, he's gonna help me out. And then because you didn't yourself go in and ask the questions and do the research for yourself, mm. like it's a, it's an investment, whether you're buying your own occupied property or not, it's an investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna buy a place and pay off a loan for 30 years, 30 years, you should do at least an hour's worth of research. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Just, it doesn't, it, you, don't, you don't have to sit there for days and days and do years worth of research, but just do a little bit, just so you know. Or if you don't know, just call through or speak to someone and say, you know what, I don't know. Yeah. Can you talk me through it? And nowadays as well, like, you know, with thanks to the internet, there's just infinite leverage on, you know, people talking about these things and having experts. And maybe if someone's too scared to call up and, you know, talk to you you know yeah. the, at the at the group they can watch maybe a youtube video of someone exactly right. you know who's an expert within the field and yeah. you know now for the first time in history the spoken word is more powerful than the written one yeah because you know like podcasts like this like how many people can understand complex information mm. that is written down compared to complex information that's talked about yeah no i know exactly what you mean um but basically so what you're saying is for people moving on to their first home loan and really, you know, wanting to buy their first home, number one, they should do some research. Exactly and number right. one, they should trust the people that are helping them get these home loans. In the- exactly right. And if you can, if you are independent in some sort of way or you have the ability to be independent, be independent. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on someone else to do it. As in, obviously, you know, you're going to go to a financial institution and ask questions, right? You know, I'm just saying don't rely on someone that doesn't know what they're talking about that bought a property 15 years ago to help you buy a property or to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why not go and ask experts yourself when you can, like, you know what I mean? Like the, it's, it's, it doesn't cost you a cent to call through and ask. Yeah. So if you have the ability to and you have the, understa- the ability to understand, go for it. That's it. Don't, don't ask people that don't know what they're talking about. It's always better to assume that you're a fool then assume that you know everything, right? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So, I, yeah. I Interesting. Um, so, right. let's get into sort of fixed terms because, you know, uh, for me, before I, you know, really have talked to you about this stuff since you got the job and like, you know, obviously you're throwing out a lot of this jargon and it yeah. can confuse a lot of people. But um, one thing I hear a lot is variable versus fixed rate home loans. Yeah. So can you explain to me the difference and the advantages and disadvantages of yeah. both? Yeah. So definitely uh, there, are, there are a lot of differences between the two. Now, so we offer three different products, but I'll just go into what pretty much what the main differences are between fixed and variable. So starting with a fixed loan, at this point in time, the interest rates are definitely lower. Mm. So it's with this is obviously with our bank, any other bank, you know, don't call me out for it, but mm-hmm. ours are about 0.4% lower. 
right? So 0.40% lower. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's always going to be a lower interest rate. However, so that's what draws most customers into a fixed rate, right? However, you can fix your loan with us for one to five years. So if you fix it for one year, it'll be, for example, at an interest rate of this for one year's time. Fix it for two years, it's locked in for two years. Now, that's pretty much the main benefit is you, you're locked in a lower interest rate and the interest rate's locked in, right? So if there was some sort of economic crash that was gonna happen, your interest rate is locked in and cannot change during that period of time. Mm. So however long it's locked in for, you're stuck in that period of time. So if you're thinking, so the, the benefits that would be obviously, if there was something to happen, your rate's locked in for that period of time. You know what your monthly repayments have to be mm. for X amount of months, right? And then the main disadvantages I would say is that there's a lot of restrictions around it. So there's obviously ways around pretty much everything, but the main restrictions are if you want to switch your repayment type. So let's say you're on principal and interest. So you're paying off the loan amount as well as the interest and you want to switch it to interest only. Or if you want to pay off more than 10, this is just with us again. Mm -hmm. If you want to pay off more than $10,000. So obviously you got a home loan. If your, your payments might be very minimal, if you got more money and you want to pay it off on top of that, you can only pay off an extra $10,000 per year, per calendar year as well. Right, so okay, that makes sense. So in terms of, so the bank doesn't lose their investment as well exactly in terms right. of getting yeah, the so interest you, rates off of you. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, so you couldn't just pay it off in, in a week's time. Like yeah. If you won the lot So if you won the lot Yeah, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And you're locked in for five years, mm -hmm. you're locked in for five years. Okay. So we know and you know what your repayments will be and we can, everyone can work off that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, pretty much other than that, it's just, it's just physically locked in. So you can't really make any changes or do anything with that loan until the period expires. Right. And if you want to, you have to pay break costs. What so are, how much? It depends. So it depends on a lot of things. The formula is too complicated to even try. Fair enough. But all I do is just <laughs> put a number in the system and press a few buttons and it tells me a figure. Yeah. But usually it's between $500 to 1.5. Okay. So it's not, you know, if you want a lotto, it's not yeah. too bad. You know, you may as well pay it off. You save it in interest later on. Mm -hmm. But there is always that option too. But you've got to pay the break costs. Yeah. Whereas with a variable loan, it's not locked in. But the interest rate's always going to be higher. Well, not always, but in this time, the interest rate's higher. So obviously you're going to pay more interest, but you have the flexibility. Mm. So you can you can pay off, you can put a hundred grand on it tomorrow and it wouldn't matter. And you wouldn't be paying interest on that hundred grand. So, you know what I mean? Like if you, so, and a lot of, obviously the, the fixed loans have this redraw facility as well, but let's say you owe a hundred grand, you come across 10 grand tomorrow, right? Somehow you can put $10,000 onto your, or let's say more, because you can put 10,000 onto a fix as well. But let's say you come across 50 grand and you owe 100 grand, you can put $50,000 into your home loan account and then you'll only be paying interest on $50,000, not the whole 100,000. Okay. You know what I mean? Whereas right. with a fix, you can only put 10 in. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll have to pay the break costs. Right, interesting. Okay, and so let's say for the for the average obviously it's different for you know yeah. whether it's an investment property or you're actually going to live in the property or everything like that but in your um let's say expert opinion <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> um, in your opinion what do you think is better for first home buyers as in what an occupied oh fixed uh, or variable as in fixed or variable well i personally did a split between the two 
But mm. like I said to you before, there's no black or white universal approach that applies to everyone. Yeah. So it really depends on your situation. If you're someone who just wants to pay the minimum monthly repayments and have mm. a lower interest rate, if you're not if you're not focused on making extra repayments or having an offset account, we'll go into that if you want, but having an offset account, all that kind of stuff, having the flexibility, mm-hmm. then I would say go for the fixed rate. Mm-hmm. So what I did was because to me right now, that's my number one priority, paying off the paying off the home loan, getting mm-hmm. that off my, getting completely forgetting about that, right? I don't want to, too much money goes to that, right? Mm-hmm. So what I did was I fixed the majority of it. So to get the lower interest rate, have lower repayments and then I put a portion of it variable. But what I've done is so, there's a thing called an offset account, right? And what that does is, yeah. So in simple terms, if you got $100,000 loan and you have an offset account, right? This is like a transaction account. You know, like you tap your debit card, that account, right? You link that to your home loan account. This has to be a variable product as well. You can't do this on the fix. Can't do it on the fix. You can't do this on the fix. So this is why I did the variable. So you you have an offset account, so it's linked. And if you got, let's say for example, 10 grand in there, your home loan's 100K, which it never will be, um, <laughs> unless you live in, yeah, who knows where, mm-hmm. uh, you're only paying interest on $90,000. Okay, right? yeah, So yeah. that difference in 0.4% of interest you're paying can be made up if you've got a decent amount in your offset account. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I fixed like 80% of my home loan yeah. for a year. I only did one year because I want to see what happens with everything. Yeah, And then... Because who knows at this point in time, everything's too crazy right now. So, and then I kept 20% variable. But what I've been doing is I've just been saving or whatever money I get paid just sits in my offset account. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of saving on interest on that 20%, not that I have the full 20%, but the benefit I'm getting from that outweighs the lower rate. Right. You know what I mean? Do you want to explain that again? Yeah. In a slower, way? more neanderthal terms. But uh, <laughs> it's like, it's simple, right? So... Let's say you've got, let's say you total amount, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna use real numbers, total amount you borrow is 200,000, right? Mm-hmm. So 150,000 fixed, 50K variable, yeah? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna pay a lower rate on the fixed, you're gonna pay about 0.4%, just for example, low on the fixed, right? On the right? fixed, so on the 100, fixed, yeah? 150,000 on the fixed, um, you know, really low, lower rate. Lower rate, yeah. Lower rate on that in terms of the repayments. Exactly and right. And then 50,000, 50,000 is variable, right? Okay. So difference in 0.4% on 50K might be like, what, $800 a year? Yeah. Right? That's the difference in interest rate you're going to save, yeah? Mm-hmm. But then because I've got 45, or not, for example, me, but if you had 45,000 in there, you know, you're going to save, you're not. You're only going to pay interest on $5,000 in there. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because yeah. you have, because you're only going to have 5,000, sorry, you got, so you got 45 grand in there, so you're only paying interest on five grand. Right. So that $800 difference, you're saving, you're only gonna pay like $100 in interest. Right. So you're saving $700 because you have the offset facility. Mm-hmm. But I don't wanna put the money into the home loan just yet because I'm still thinking about what I wanna do. Because if I pay it off the loan, the only way I can get that money back is if I do a home loan application and buy another property. Mm. Whereas I wanna have that money ready to go in case, because. I've been doing my research and I'm trying to work out what the next steps steps are for me. Yeah. I want to realize that I want to know that if I want the money, it's there. Right, okay. But also get the benefit of having paying less interest. Yeah. So that's how I worked it out. And I was like, well, I don't really know what I was doing six months ago. Yeah. 
compared to now, whereas I'm slowly working out where I want to go and what I want to do. So at least I'm still not, I'm getting the benefit of not paying the interest, yeah. but I've still got the cash. Yeah, you still got the cash. And obviously the um, the fixed rate gives you the stability in this you know crazy post-COVID exactly right. world. I only right? locked it in for a year. Yeah. Obviously you can lock it in for up to five years. Up to five, yeah. But I just did one because I wanted to see what was going to happen mm-hmm. this next year because obviously when I got it, it was, you know, in, in, in lock, I don't know if we in lockdown, but it was still in that COVID period and I was like, well, I want to see what happens and let's just let's just leave it for a year mm-hmm. and then we'll come back to it in a year's time. I'll probably mm-hmm. refix it again, but for now, but I'll change the ratio though. Yeah. So instead of going 75% fixed, for example, and 25% variable, I might go 65% or 70% and keep an extra 10% because if I lock it in for two years, then I'll slowly keep building up in there mm-hmm. and the different, like, you know what I mean? It'll catch yeah, up to it. because the interest rates can just go yeah, all over the place. In exactly terms of, right. Okay. But because yeah. I'll be saving money in the offset account, that benefit will then start redeeming itself and, mm-hmm. and it'll pay, in me paying less interest. Wow. Yeah, so that's what and, I mean when I yeah. say like, you have to... Really so, know your stuff. Yeah, exactly. And also, just, your mum's not going to tell you that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. that, that's what I'm. That's, that was my whole point about that. Like mm-hmm. the person, you know, if it's your uncle or if it's your, you know, uncle's friend or your cousin or whoever, mm-hmm. unless they're a really good cousin, they're not going to sit down with you for an hour and tell you all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you have to look after yourself. You know, like you're once, you know, you, you, you're going to get thrown in the deep end of the way, and your, your mum's not going to be there to pay it out for you, or your mum's not going to do this or do that. Like yeah. the knowledge is the most important thing. Hundred percent. Think about it, if you were buying something else that was a future investment for thirty years, just because it's a home loan, everyone's like, "Yeah, it's a safe investment. I'm just going to do this or do that, and I'm just going to buy it." But you have to think about how could you potentially maximize your situation. Yeah, and get the the, the like, people are paying so much money on you know things that are not worth it whatsoever, just mm-hmm. so they can get into the market. Yeah, and then they're just making it so that they can't you know, invest in the future and move forward. Well, that's the thing in sort of, you know, the next question I have for you because for for a long time and very, you know, it's very societally said in terms of, you know, the upbringing that I've had and upbringing you had that <coughs> buying a home is like one of the safe safest investments you can make even yeah. after, you know, crisis like the GFC. Mm. Uh, and still today, it's one of the safest investments that you can make. Now, obviously, we've gone through the different fixed rates, variable rates, mm. and how you can maximize the most out of your home loan. But if you don't invest in the right home mm. and the right place and the yeah. right time, then yeah. all that shit doesn't mean anything because exactly right. you can your home can depreciate. Yeah, so, exactly right. So within, last, oh, within sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> within that right. What it, what do you think in terms of looking at what's your checklist in looking for homes that might appreciate <clears throat> or depreciate in value and finding the best ones? Yeah, so strictly appreciating depreciating, I would just look at market trends and what's happening in each individual state, mm-hmm. and then you can also look at city rates as well. Um, you know, pretty much just growth, market growth in that area. So, for example. I was gonna say this before you really nah. <laughs> Just joking. Um, like Sydney and Melbourne in the past year, for the first time in you know God knows how long, mm. have actually gone down in value. So the market prices in Sydney and Melbourne have gone down. Whereas if you look at other states and other cities like Adelaide, Perth, 
you should know Adelaide, mm-hmm. uh, Hobart, they're all they're all growing by, you know, three to six percent a year. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sydney's dropping and Melbourne's dropping. Right? So I would just say if you're wanting to purchase a property simply for appreciation value, I would just look at previous market trends and where the market is going in the future and just look at the look at the curve. Right? It's pretty it's pretty basic to look at. Yeah. Just get a ruler or put your finger on the on the screen. <laughs> and have a look obviously there's so many other things to to look at but depending on whether you want to purchase for investment properties and own occupied properties but if you're purely going for growth and like capital growth that would that'd be the number one thing i'll look at but if you're wanting to buy for there's so many other things you look at as well it's not just about that you know so let's let's um let's break this down into two so let's say uh, I want to buy an investment property to start off with yeah. and I want to stick someone in it and I want to keep paying rent at the place that I have now because I like where I live in Bondi yeah. and I want to buy an investment property and say, you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, what's the best strategy for that? So this is what I've been looking at recently. So it depends. So there's, you can look at, you can look at it from two ways, right? You can look at it from, I'm going to buy a place that's going to always have a tenant in it mm-hmm and it's always gonna pay me consistent money. Or you can look at it from, I'm gonna buy a place that's gonna appreciate and double its value in 15 years, mm-hmm. right? Or you can do both, Yeah. which is, you know, idealistic, what everyone wants. Of course. Right? Oh, what, why wouldn't you want that? Exactly yeah, right, exactly. yeah. So I would definitely look at, the number one thing I'd look at, if you're looking to buy and have someone living in there, is vacancy rates, right? Because in Sydney and Melbourne, Sydney's vacancy rates the past year since COVID have been like mid threes. Melbourne's have been mid fours or low fours, right? Yeah. So 4% of investment properties, so just under one in 20, so like one in maybe 23 or 22, properties in Melbourne that investment investors own, there's no tenant in there. And then what that means is that the tenants have more sway or swing to then negotiate a better, a better rate mm-hmm. or a better repayments that they stay in there. Because I would just say, well, there's properties everywhere. Yeah. You know I mean, one in 25, or one in 23, whatever it is, yeah. investment properties are vacant. So they'll want someone there. Mm-hmm. And then because you're wanting someone in there, you will then offer a cheaper price. So idealistically, you want to go for a place that has low vacancy rates. For example, like Adelaide, Perth, Hobart, um, Northern Territory, they're all below 1%. Mm-hmm. Perth's the highest out of those four. They're like 0.9%. Mm-hmm. So that's like what, one in 100 investment properties. Yeah. The difference, it might sound like 3% to 1%, it's not much of a difference, but when you think of it like that, yeah. 1 in 100 or 1 out of 23. Yeah, yeah. It's no, ridiculous. I hear, I hear. And, right? if you, and if you break that into a larger scale in terms of you know how many properties there are available, exactly it's right. a lot of properties. Exactly right. So you would look for places with low vacancy rates as well as high, high market growth. So you get the best of both worlds. So you're always going to have someone in there and, and also the property is going to appreciate itself. So, but then, but then comes, if you're, if you live in cities like myself and you're wanting to buy a place, well, I obviously, last time we spoke, I had a conversation about potentially wanting to buy a place in WA. But since then I've spoken to people about it and done research on it and you need a good property manager because if you're going to buy a place in WA, that's a five hour flight, right? <laughs> I'm not going to hop on a five hour flight if my tenant tells me that there's a rip in the carpet, right? You're just going to call your property manager and say, look, there's a, there's a rip in the carpet. Can you go check it out and sort it, mm. right? Or if there's a problem with this, there's a problem with that. You're just going to call your property manager. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on a good basis with them, 
If they could walk in there and say, the screen door's broken. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. Right, okay. Obviously, you can say, send me photos or X, Y, Z, but they could, you, you don't know what they could do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have someone, and look, I, I know three people that live in Western Australia, in a whole state. Yeah. I've met three people that live in WA. I've met one. In my entire life. <laughs> like, yeah. None of them work in property. Yeah. So, I would have to call someone or go there once and make connections and have to speak with someone about, can you look after my investment property? Mm-hmm. If they're, you don't know the type of person they're going to be. Like, yeah. hope you, you'd hope that they're ethical and they're going to do you, do you good. But they could, they could do stuff like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. You never know. You never know. I mean, you and, never know. And but I think that's the advantage of you know the internet now as well. Is everything's based on reviews at the moment, mm. right? So uh, definitely, they could be like, okay, so this is a pretty nice investment property. I could make a bit of extra cash here, even though I've got five, yeah. 5,000 five stars on Google. Mm. But, um, you know, there is that there is that leeway in terms of having someone you 100% trust. Yeah, and also if you're, they, would, they, they know that you're in Sydney mm. and they know that you're not gonna come out for something that small. Mm. So obviously you have to trust people and you gotta trust they're gonna do the right thing, mm. but also on the flip side, they could, something could happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's just what I've been hearing and from people that I've spoken to, whether that be over the phone or had a look and done my research online, that that stuff does happen. Really? It does happen. Whether it happens now, mm-hmm. it has happened in the, in the past. Because I've spoken to people with very diverse portfolios all across Australia and they have said it's not just not just in WA, like just completely scrap that. Yeah. But across Australia, that they have had people that have told them X, Y, Z, and it hasn't been X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they said, then they'll say to me, "Well, just think about it before you do it, because unless you're willing to, you know, have a I guess frequent travel to there or potentially, mm. but obviously there's people that I'm not saying that happens to everyone. Yeah. That might happen to one percent of people. Mm-hmm. But knowing my luck. <laughs> that's gonna happen to me right that's yeah. gonna happen to me so yeah. that's why I'd rather look for something not just on that basis but it's something that I'm taking into consideration okay, okay. pretty much that it could happen yeah. because I've spoken to people that have got properties in SA you know Hobart and Tassie um, you know Perth you know, Northern Territory and they say that because whenever someone calls through and they've got properties like in uh, portfolios like that I ask them 20 questions because mm-hmm. I actually care and I want to know because I'm wanting to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I ask them the questions and I ask, I ask that question, have you ever had any issues with property managers? They're like, no, ever since I've moved in there, they've been great. Mm-hmm. But then you ask the same question to someone else and they'll say, bro, don't even get me started on this guy I've been dealing with really? or this girl I've been dealing with or whoever it is or they or whatever. Interesting. And they, and they mm. just go on a rant about how they have been very unsatisfied with their dealings with this property manager. Right, so obviously there's the, with the, you know, with the advantage of, you know, going to those places where there's less vacancy rates. Mm. Uh, They're also, you know, if you live in Sydney, they're also further away and that leaves you open to, you know, these, yeah, these dealings. But, um, on the very unlikely chance, I'm not saying this happens to everyone, but it has happened to people. Something to be aware of. Yeah, exactly right. Something Mm. that I've, picked up on mm. just speaking to people okay okay yeah um and so let's say so we've done the investment property and let's say i want to buy you know a house that i want to live in instead of renting and like yeah. giving someone else money as my yeah. first time i want to live in it i want to live mm-hmm. with my girlfriend prepare for a kid or something like that yeah. da, 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 da. um 
what would be the best way to go about that in terms of ticking the boxes, let's say in yeah. Sydney? Yeah, in Sydney, for example, so this is literally what I did, right? So there's a, there's a threshold of $700,000, right? Mm-hmm. If you buy a property that you want to live in, in Sydney, under $700,000, you won't pay a cent on stamp duty. Under so 700000 Under 700000 right? As a first home buyer? As a first home buyer. It's only your first property, right? Yeah. So if you buy for anything more than that, you're going to pay stamp duty. Fuck. So. <laughs> yeah. I very fortunately got it for six ninety five. Yeah, yeah. Can't, couldn't have been a coincidence. My life yeah. can't be too bad, right? Yeah, yeah. But, so I avoided paying stamp duty. And because I had a big enough of a deposit, all what you can do is get your parents to go as guarantor, right? That's always an option too. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? So going as guarantor means that if you haven't got the deposit, you can then get your parents to put their property up as security and do the same thing I was speaking about before with that using equity, mm-hmm. but you use it from your parents' property. Right. So using your parents' property as collateral. Exactly right. Yeah. But you only use enough to get you to the 80% mark. Mm-hmm. So if your parents have a $3 million property, they're not going to be lined up for the whole three mil. Mm-hmm. They're only going to be lined up for... 20% of the value of your property. Obviously, if you got 10 or 20 grand to put towards it, 80% less than 10 or 20 grand. Mm-hmm. So whatever that, whatever you haven't got, if your parents want to go as guarantor, a family member wants to go as guarantor, mm-hmm. they can do that for you. Interesting. So that's another way to avoid insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't got the 20% deposit, um, so I didn't have a 20% deposit, mm-hmm. but that's obviously a different story. Um, and I, But what you can do is you can then go to some... so. All these promotions I was telling you about how some banks offer, so I told you we have a 15% discount for lenders mortgage insurance, some banks offer five. Because they're, they're, they're government incentives, they're not bank incentives. So the government will say that if you have a 5% deposit, um, you know that they'll put out like a promotion, for example, saying that uh, this is a new incentive that we're promoting, mm-hmm. and then whatever banks want to take that up, take it up. Right. So I know for a fact, obviously, a or not ANZ, NAB mm-hmm. takes a five percent deposit. There's a there's a list of terms and conditions. If you meet the criteria, which I couldn't tell you because I don't yeah. work there, but I know that NAB does it. So just look out for what if you haven't got the, the deposit, look out for what banks only require five percent deposit. Right. Because then if you have a five percent deposit, you buy for under seven hundred thousand, which you can find places for under seven hundred thousand. If you want to buy for more. You're gonna to have to pay stamp duty, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's it is it. what it is. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like you, I think you still get some sort of discount, but it's not the hundred percent. Like if it's up to seven fifty or eight hundred, you get like a fifty percent reduction or something. And for those that don't know, how much, how costly is stamp duty for a property? Let's say let's say for a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar property. So if you're not getting the discount, I'd probably say between twenty five to thirty five k. Right. So, so it's, it's pretty expensive, yeah. right? And the thing is that if you don't have the deposit, um, so if you've only got a 5% deposit, right? And you're buying a place for, you know, 700,000, that's 35 grand, yeah? Mm-hmm. So if you've only got 35 grand, you then need to pay stamp duty upfront as well. Oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing. So yeah. that's why for me, it was so ideal that I got into that price. Right. So I didn't pay a cent stamp duty and mm-hmm. it didn't chew into my deposit. Mm-hmm. Because then you lose half, like if you've got 35 grand saved up mm. and the property is 750K, right? Or 700,000, you've got the deposit. You're ticking all the green boxes, but then if you have to pay stamp duty and you go to 750, you might, let's say if you get a discount of 50%, right? You've got to pay 17 grand, there goes half your deposit. Mm. Now you've only got a 2.5% deposit. 
And then you're going to pay Lena's mortgage insurance, and Lena's mortgage insurance is going to be 20k. Yeah. Then your deposit turns into nothing. Yeah. And then that, that's right. so that's that's a very frequent. So that's how that's how it adds up. Yeah. So of, because right. those expenses, if you haven't got the only time you can borrow those like stamp duty and lenders mortgage insurance is if you have more than a 5% deposit. Mm -hmm. So you either use equity from another property or your mm -hmm. parents mm -hmm. or straight cash. Or you gotta pay it straight cash because yeah. it has to be paid up front. Mm -hmm. So we will only lend you, so for, let's just speak for on, on banks that offer that 5% promotion, right? Mm -hmm. They will only lend you 95% of the value of the property. That bottom line, that's all you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. So if you have to pay for all these other fees and charges on top of that, then if you haven't got it, you're not getting a property. Tough shit, yeah. We only offer that 15% discount. So we'll, we'll, we'll say to you that you only need a 5% deposit plus all fees and charges. Mm -hmm. And those fees and charges are your deposit. But if, you, but if you assume you're a fool and do some knowledge, some research, listen to an you know, intelligent uh, individual like yourself talking about home loans and everything <laughs> like that, um, you can find out ways to really m like minimize your costs a lot. Exactly right. In terms of the first you, initial payment. Of exactly your right. Home. If you do it the right way, there's ways you can get into the market. So there's some people that, you know, this their mindset, they, their first property has to be $1.2 million, you know, five minute walk from the beach. But that person's going to have to save, you know, if you want $1.2 million property, what's 5% of that? Like 60 grand? Mm -hmm. You need 60 grand plus stamp duty because you're mm -hmm. not going to get a waiver on that. Yeah. That's going to be 40 grand stamp mm -hmm. duty. So, so 30- 100K. Exactly right. Yeah. And then plus lenders mortgage insurance. If you, you know what I mean? So, that, collateral, so that's yeah, going to be like yeah. 120K mm -hmm. just to get into a $1.2 million property. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but trying to save up 120K, years, mm. years and years and years. Mm -hmm. and by the time you save it, that 1.2 is going to be 1.4. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's why, and that's why one thing that a lot of people will say, like once I tell a customer that, you know, if you've got a 10% deposit and you can include the fees and charges into the, into the loan amount, mm -hmm. people will say, well, I don't want to pay lenders mortgage insurance. So I'm not going to go ahead with the loan. Mm -hmm. But what you've got to understand is that lenders mortgage insurance might be 20 grand. Let's say it's, let's say it's 30 grand, right? That's expensive. Yeah. 30 grand. Yes. You pay it off over 30 years. But if you wait till you save the deposit, the property is going to cost you 30 grand more anyway. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might cost you a hundred grand more. Yeah. Like if you're buying in, let's say South Australia, yeah. the property prices in the last five years, have gone up at least 150%, depending on obviously the areas and just, just like an average, right? Mm. So they're, they're jumping like crazy, yeah? Like some people I've spoken to bought a property 10 years ago, they're selling it for double, mm. right? So if you're trying to save up for a deposit and you're like, nah, I don't wanna pay lenders mortgage insurance, you know, it's a waste of money, that's stupid. Mm. But then you try and buy the property in a year's time, the property's gone up 5%. That would be the cost of the exactly right. insurance. Yeah, exactly okay. right. And then okay. you get, then the thing is you're not gonna save up that extra amount like yeah. saving up even 20, 30 grand in a year is tough, mm -hmm. right? You might be paying rent or you might be, you might have a kid or whatever it may be. Trying to save up that 30 grand, it's not going to be easy. Mm. So you might save up 30 grand in a year and they're going to say, well, you need 40 now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so it's better to get in with something than stay out and waiting for the, you know, home run hit with Exactly one right. Thing. But right. also, you know, that's your, that's your opinion. Personal preference. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So if you think it's more beneficial to wait, Mm -hmm. go ahead mm -hmm. that's that's obviously I'm not going to say what I would do but but then obviously with those years inflation goes up as well and how much yeah. you get paid goes up as, exactly as well right. and everything like that exactly so, right yeah but yeah. um 
that's that's super interesting i'm mm. very very grateful to have you as a friend to really you know uh talk to me uh, mm. about all these different types of stuff and one of the reasons why i just love having you know um intelligent high-performing friends is that they help your lives in different ways and you know and, and things like that and i think a lot of 100%. you know i bumped into um i bumped into blair the other day and he was like oh listen to your, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen to your podcast with uh zach and i was like oh sick sick um, I got one with Euro coming up, so um, I'm sure he's probably <laughs> given it a listen if he hasn't switched off already. But where'd you, um, say, where'd you say Blair? Uh, Bondi, Bondi, somewhere in Bondi. I was hanging yeah, around with yeah. Finn. But anyway, yeah. um, I want to get into the obviously you know a lot about you know the different types of property. And you've worked very hard to sort of uh, you know be a good. What's your official title again? Sorry. <laughs> so I work in learning solutions. Wait, but in English, it's home loan applications, pretty much. Home loan application specialist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it. obviously, you're dealing with like people that are that are you know very high performing in terms of you know not not every person can purchase a home. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. So obviously, you're dealing with people that are very high performing, uh, earning a lot of income. And very successful in you know society's you know terms in terms mm. of inquiring wealth and everything like that. Yeah. So there's obviously a certain level of trust that yeah. people would need to put in you yeah. to help them you know purchase their property and that you you know what yeah, you're yeah, talking exactly about. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right? right. So my question is for you is what are some tips and tricks that maybe people could use to really feel more confident talking to you know high performing people because it's something mm. obviously you do pretty much every yeah. working day. Right? Yeah, exactly right. Um, so how do you provide value to them within a coherent manner when, you know, you're my age and 22 yeah. and yeah. some of these people might be, you know, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds yeah. with a, you know, oh, sorry, doctor. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 that's <laughs> happened before, 100%. You know? So, um, uh, yeah, oh, go. go. Oh, no. <laughs> um, to be honest, I'd probably just say, um, when I'm on the phone, I'm very confident. Like, it's, you know, it might not come across here. You know, this is a very different situation for me. But when I'm on the phone talking about this stuff, I'm very confident, mm. very, very confident. So I was, that's probably the number one thing. And I'm also very upfront. So if someone's asking me, well, I can't provide advice on the phone. I genuinely can't provide advice. If, if I get caught doing that, that's a, that's a big no-no. So mm. I'm not allowed to provide advice, but I'm very honest. And I definitely, um, I definitely present every single... So whenever someone will call through... I will listen to what they have to say and then I genuinely provide feedback on that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like if you call, then, and the thing is I've heard so many people say to me, you're the first person that's actually listened to what I have to say and given me something critical, like I guess some sort of critical feedback, right? Not giving them advice because I can't do that, but just understanding what they want and I will ask a hundred times because every, the word refinance, right? That means a hundred things to not hundred obviously, but it means a lot of things, a lot of different people. And I will stop and say, sorry, excuse me, sir. Refinance to me means this. Is this what you're after? And they'll say no. Then I say, can you please tell me exactly what you mean by refinance? Mm-hmm. And then just little things like that. And that once I understand their situation, I will genuinely, I guess, be, I guess, I'll take the time to think about what they're actually asking for. And whether they know whether they know it or not, because sometimes I'll call through and say, "I want to do this, this, this." I'm like, "No, you don't. You want to do this," yeah, because they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. But once you actually listen to what they have to say, and they know you've listened, then they trust you. So it, it happens all the time. You know, people 
a lot of people think they know what they're talking about when it comes to that stuff, but that's not their profession. Mm. Like they just, they bought one house and they think they know this or that. But when it comes to the ins and outs of it, they really don't. Mm. So once you can prove yourself that you understand and you know what they want, as well as how you can help them, what options we have exclusively for that, then they take on board what you have to say. Right. So, and I guess, like I said before, and just doing that in a confident manner and that I don't, I guess, yeah, I, I just said the confidence as well as listening to what they have to say and providing, I guess, a, a proper assessment of what they've just said, then I guess the combination of the two, mm-hmm. they're just like, what, you know what? Like, like I, pe- I've had people call through and say that, you know, I'm just going to inquire today. Mm-hmm. And they've gone, you know what, Matt? I didn't even, I was not ready to apply at all, but I've spoken to so many people that are X, Y, Z. However, you're great. And I want to do it with you now. And then I'm, they're like, can I, can I get your like personal number? I'm like, I don't have, a, it's a call center. I haven't mm-hmm. got a number. They're like, you know what? Let's just do it now. Because they trust that I know what I'm talking about and that the way that I communicate, I feel that I do it in a good way or right. a very professional way. Yeah, yeah. No, you do come off as very professional. But I think one of the most important things that you sort of highlighted there uh, and general um, you know for me as an actor it's extremely important to do this and not a lot of the general populace understand this but yeah. it's actually the value of when you're nervous getting outside your own head mm. and listening yeah to what the other person has to say that's massive and you listening to them actually yeah. allows you to form it like because you're when it, whenever you feel nervous you're self-conscious right yeah, exactly and you're right. conscious of oh everyone's looking at me everyone's this everyone's that da, da, da. Yeah. but it sounds like you're completely switched on mm. in terms of what the other person needs yeah. and you are 100% focused on providing yeah. them value for exactly what? their situation exactly right because like I said to you when it comes to this stuff like if you if I switched off for five seconds I could miss the most crucial part of what that person just said mm. You know what I mean? So they could say one word. If I didn't hear it or if I wasn't listening, that it would just go straight over my head and I would say something completely different and they'd say, mate, I just told you that. And straight away that trust is gone. Yeah. So that's why you have to you have to listen to what they have to say. Because if you don't listen to what they have to say, the feedback that you provide won't be, I guess, um, I guess won't be catered towards them. And won't and be straight a value. Up, exactly yeah. right. It wouldn't be a value at all. And they just say, well... Oh, well, it's a good chance to you, mate. I'll, I'll call someone else. On or that, I'll yeah. call back and they just won't call back. And especially on that initial first call with, you know, customers, you want to provide them value mm. straight away. So, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I think what you expertly do in terms of that is providing the value, but also getting rid of your nerves and sounding confident by purely focusing 120% yeah. on them, almost yeah. not being aware of yourself. Yeah, exactly right. And just being genuine. Mm-hmm. And being comes, honest. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That comes a long way because you've got to understand that like, some people genuinely, will, like I said to you, people will call through and say, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And if you're just, and, and I'm not going to say to them, because I, I don't get commission. I don't get benefits. I don't mm-hmm. get anything like that. Full disclosure, I get a salary mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't get... If I sell you, I, like if I sold you a million dollar property or a two million dollar property, that like I've had people say to me that I want to deal with you, I can't do it right now, but mm-hmm. please, how do I get back in contact with you? Because I want you to get the commission. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't get commission. They're like, no way. Mm-hmm. Are you being fucking serious? I'm just like, yeah, I don't get commission. This is just me helping you out. And they're like, holy shit, like, how do I get back in contact with you? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because okay. I don't get any financial... Whether, whether you call through and apply for a 10 million... You can't get a 10 million house, but whether you go for the full three mil or you go for 10 grand, mm. I don't, it doesn't financially benefit me. Mm. So that's why, not only that, but I'm just not that type of person to chase. I will never talk to someone or sell someone saying they don't need. Not that kind of, not that kind of guy. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not me. Mm-hmm. So once they realize how genuine I am and that I'm doing this just to help you because it makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. That, like it's not, it's rewarding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having that guy call through saying, oh, I know nothing. And then him walking away saying, I spoke to that Matt bloke. He knows what he's talking about. He's helped me. And now I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about this. Like as stupid as it sounds, it feels good. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I it's, and it's, and it's not that I'm selling him anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whether I make commission or not, which I don't, I couldn't care less about that. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's walking away saying, I now, like, that, this is a 30 year investment. Like this guy's helped me save on this, save on this, save on this. I now know this. So now I can get into what I not need to get into, but I, I, know, I have the assets, I have the tools to do what I want to do and save the most money, right? And yet again, like if you're going to pay insurance, like that doesn't, that doesn't benefit me. Like if you're going to, like, you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. just me just being genuine, just helping, you know, whether it's a, you know, a 67 year old lady or a 20 year old bloke, you know what I mean? Like, or, or whoever it is, mm-hmm. it doesn't, like, I'm just there for you to help you out. So. And I think that genuinely comes across in, you know, the times that, you know, I've known you and we, we've been, we've, you know, been uh, close friends. It's really come across in, you know, personal life as well. Because every, any time I'm like, oh, you know, I need some help with this or I need some help with that. You generally, I can always trust your opinion because you tell me when I'm bullshitting as well. I don't let that shit slide. Yeah, yeah. If so, I hear someone talking bullshit, yeah, I'm the number one advocate for calling them out. Yeah, and uh, I'd <laughs> like to, I'd like to go into this like little little segue on you know the truth and how powerful it can be because, mm. I mean, for me personally, I I used to lie to get out of every single thing when I was younger, yeah. right? And then, you know, uh, and then after a while you grow up, you have some experiences and then I've realized for the first time in my life, like, you know, a year, literally a year ago that telling the truth is the most adventurous thing you can do and it is the most powerful, right? So I'd love to hear like what instilled the value or who instilled the value in you of telling the truth because you know, whether it's, you know, Orlando, those shorts suck or... <laughs> or I'll always be honest or, with you, but... You'll always be honest. Always honest, yeah. always who, honest. Who, who instilled that truth in you and, and from a young age? And why do you... And how has that benefited you, do you think? Definitely my dad. Hmm. 100%. 100%. Hey, but ever since I was a little kid, if I played, whether it was like I played shit at soccer or I did this or I did that or I did something bad... He was the first person to say to me, what you did today, I'm not proud of. That you, what, like, wasn't that I was like, wanted to make him proud. It was mm-hmm. just that I wanted to play well and I wanted to do my best, but I would know as well. Mm-hmm. But he would, he would never, like you, you would hear, there's always those kids when they walk off the side of the field, their dad's like, mate, John, bro, you killed it today. You absolutely nailed it. Like, you were playing amazing. And the kid touched the ball twice. He was mm-hmm. a left back and touched the ball twice. Mm-hmm. And the, they scored a goal on his side. Yeah. Whereas, if, even if I scored a goal, if he thought I played shit, he would straight out, when I went in the car, he'd say, you played shit today. Mm. Like, that, that was, you're better than that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't to make me feel like shit. 
Mm. That's just how, that's how his dad was to him. Mm-hmm. That's how he is to me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm to everyone else. But when he gives me a compliment, it means, it means almost the world. Because you know that when he's saying it to you, that he's being genuine. So it kills him. Like you can see the look in his eyes. But when he has to say, like when he has to say to you, like for example, like, oh, maybe like 10 months ago or whatever, we were having a conversation about something. And he's like, you know what? I'm actually proud of you boys, all three of you. You know, and like it wasn't, but the fact that he said that means a lot more than someone else who says, I'm proud of you, if they say it to you a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Because you know that he genuinely means that based on like what's happening. Yeah. So if I told you, so that's, that's why to me it's like, if I'm going to give you a compliment, I'm not going to bullshit you. Yeah. Like if, if you, you walk up and you're wearing a shit shirt or you're wearing <laughs> the ugliest clothes or yeah. you, you know, your haircuts, whatever, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say to you, that's fucking shit. I'm going to yeah. say to you, your old haircut was better. Yeah. Not because I want you to feel like shit, but because in my opinion, because you are not, if you ask me for my opinion, I'm going to tell you mm. so that you know that I'm not bullshitting you. Like if you walk into a room and everyone goes, oh, you know, that's a mad haircut. It feels good, but if you get someone who always tells you or always tells you the truth and they say to you one time, that's actually a, that is a mint haircut. That mm. looks fucking unbelievable. Yeah. You're going to go, you know what? Him telling me that compared to 10 people saying it looks good, it means the most coming from him. Yeah, 100%. True, like if I ever gave you a compliment back in the day, oh, it would mean 100% more from me than it would from, I don't know, the any other name person. Anyone, yeah, <laughs> any, yeah. other, any other person. You know what I mean? Um, and it's a great quote I heard, and I'm going to absolutely steal from another podcast. <laughs> but um, the uh, it's like people, and especially myself, and being you know a little people pleaser when I was younger for you know um, you know various reasons in terms of you know growing up and everything like that. It can become like a defense mechanism, right? Lying to. Mm really you know make someone feel comfortable yeah yeah but then we've all done it we've all done, we've it. All done it we've 100%. all done it right you don't want to have that awkward conversation where it's oh, like it's hey funny. actually you know your yeah. girlfriend's not that cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hard one right it's you don't want to receive one. that either <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want to receive it but no. i think the the beautiful thing about that is like okay what what price do you want to pay for your word to be worth something but also there's situations where you need to lie look look like you just said, right? Mm-hmm. If my mate came up to me and said, you know, you met my girlfriend last night or you met my whatever, you don't lie about that. Mm-hmm. Unless they're a proper, like, like, like just the worst human being, mm-hmm. you're always just going to say, yeah, look, man, she's, she's a good chick. Mm-hmm. You can't say... Obviously, but, you know, like, like, but I think there's, I think there's, like, it's not always accurate what people want as well. Like when mm. the, it's kind of ambiguous when someone asks you a question. Like, let's say a mm. girlfriend, yeah. you go out with your girlfriend, she tries on a pair of pants, and she goes, "Do I look fat in this?" Is she actually saying? Mm. Is she actually wanting you to like asking you the question, "Do I look fat in this?" Or is her question more ambiguous in saying that no, whatever you look like, I love you. Yeah, no, I get that, but. Yet again, you can ask my missus this very question and she will tell you the truth that if she wears something and I don't like it, I will tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm always like that. Now, I've been in situations where I've been asked that question and I've said the truth and I've got rinsed for it. <laughs> rinsed. Like, the day's yeah. ruined just yeah. because I said the other shirt you put on was nicer. Yeah. But her mind was set on that. Whereas now, if... Because uh, she knows I'm going to be genuine with her. Yeah. So if she asks me that question and I say, Foz, this shirt looks nice or mm-hmm. these these jeans look nice, what you're wearing, 
you look amazing. Yeah. She knows that I'm being serious. And it's more valuable. Exactly right. Yeah. But whereas previously it's been like, all right, whether they're wearing a fucking, if I think they look, the clothes they're wearing are ugly as shit, mm-hmm. whether I say, I'm always just going to say, because I know based on previous experience, I learned, right? It's pretty easy to learn. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it looks good, whatever, let's just go. Yeah. Whereas this time, she will genuinely ask me and wait to see what I have to say. And if I say it looks good, she'll be like, yeah, I think it looks really good too. Whereas if she thinks it looks good and she asks me and I say it looks bad, she doesn't get pissed off at me. It's mm-hmm. like, I asked you, I knew you were going to tell me the truth. I'm spewing you don't like it, but it is what it is. Yeah. I just wanted to see what you had to say. That's it. And, you know, it's it's to your advantage as well because you might have to go out with her and to a function. And, exactly you know, right. if, if uh, you yeah. might want her to look good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just my opinion. Though, yeah, obviously, yeah. So. Obviously, everyone's different. But, yeah, um, pretty and that's one thing I'm very grateful for you um, because you definitely... Um, you definitely were not harsh to me in a French, in a in a in a in a friendly way. You used to be, oh, you were absolute dickhead. dickhead. But you used to be harsh to me in a friendly way whenever I lied, and that really sort of started knocking it out of me. Yeah, but and to now, be fair, yeah, honestly, I've seen such development in your bullshit <laughs> as time has gone on, and that honestly, like, genuinely, like you know the shit you used to say. I'm not gonna have to say oh, it. Oh yeah. But compared to that to now, I think that I, I haven't heard you say make up one of your Orlando myths in a long time, which honestly, like yeah. that's, that's a, that's a big thing because yeah. the amount of shit you used to chat compared to now, complete, complete change, Yeah. which honestly takes a lot. Cause I know people that you, we know people, we know that, people. That, <laughs> we do not going to name, not gonna name <laughs> anyone, but that when let's just say in high school, used to tell you a story and you just knew what they were saying was bullshit. Mm. You know that that never, it, they were sitting at home in their room when they're telling you this amazing story was happening, right? And they still do it now. Mm. It's like, you know what I mean? Compared to you though, you used to say that shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas compared to now, you've completely grown and developed and, and you don't you do not do that. You might like, everyone adds a bit of salt and pepper onto a story, right? Everyone does it. And as a performer, I have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to tell a story, some, instead of there was four people, there was five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or four yeah. and a half, if yeah. that was a thing. But yeah. you got to add a bit of salt and pepper. Everyone does it. Yeah. Uh, it just makes the story better. But I haven't heard you say one thing that was where I'm like, eh? Like my eyebrow raised. I'm just like, that's bullshit. Yeah. It hasn't happened in probably two years. I'm mm. like, oh, year and a half. <laughs> and, and, and you know, the, the, the real great thing that I, uh, with that in terms of it's a radical change I've really tried to, you know, put into my life. Mm. And one of the most beneficial things that uh, has come out of it for me is I don't lie to myself as much anymore because you are the easiest person to fool like yourself yeah. is the easiest person to fool yeah and if you're lying to other people which mm. i was a lot i was yeah. lying to myself a lot like yeah, yeah i'm putting in enough work i'm mm. doing enough this i'm doing enough that but yeah. now i'm like no i'm catching my own bullshit yeah i'm yeah. catching myself my own bullshit but how bad did it used to feel i've done it before i'll straight up own up to it that i've told someone a story mm. that was 50 percent bullshit yeah. and you go home or you leave that situation you're like yeah. why the fuck I, say I should have just told the truth. Why, why did yeah. I just tell the truth? Like, why did I? Why did I feel that I had to say that? Yeah. And then from going from that to like, you know what I mean? Like, it takes a lot to go from that and consistently doing that mm. to be like, you know what? If the truth is good enough for him, fuck him. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Like, if like that, that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like, if it's not good enough to say, don't say it. But why do, why do I have? Why did I feel the need to have to do that? 
and that's it and with the the problem with lies as well which i found which i found out a lot uh, very very frequently was that it's not just you know this thing you tell and then it splits your mind it splits your psyche because if you tell the truth it's the truth someone asks you 10 people ask you oh you told this person this is what happened you're like yeah "Yeah, of course because you know what happened yeah but when you tell a lie right it's like a hydra it it grows two heads because you now have to split your psyche in like okay this was the truth this is the story i told this person fuck this other yeah. person knows this person and i'm yeah, gonna have to yeah. like what do i no, i'm gonna tell them the line and yeah, that grows yeah. even more yeah. and it keeps growing can i can i tell can i please tell a yeah. quality story about yourself okay and then at the end i'll bring it around to how much you've developed and grown as a person <laughs> <laughs> is that all right is that okay with sure, you sure sure yeah? sure am i only, yeah go on all right so <laughs> this is what 20 as long as it's not too crude no no it's not yeah, crude it's not okay. crude it's not gonna i guess put you in any sort of any sort of bad situation. So, U eleven school. Um, obviously, that's when you came to our school. U eleven, starting mm-hmm. eleven. Yeah, I, f- I feel like just being able to along pretty well. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a point where we were like pretty tight, mm-hmm. very tight. Um, and then all of a sudden, school. We graduated school. I'm at a house party, right? Your good mate Finley's there. <laughs> Who's there? Our good mate, right? Yeah. We're both very good mates. Yeah. So yeah. Finley is another yeah. bloke that Orlando used to live with in South Australia. So Orlando used to go back to South Australia every holidays or whatever to see his mum, see his family, see the boys. Mm-hmm. Orlando was telling some stories to the boys back in South Australia, <laughs> thinking this shit's never going to come back to me because yeah. they live in South Australia. The boys are in Sydney. I can say whatever I want. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, Finley moves to Sydney. Made a house party with Orlando's girlfriend, um, his or ex-girlfriend, sorry. Um, and then we're all there and Orlando goes, I want you to meet this bloke. I think you guys will hit it off really well. And he goes, oh, Finley, this is my mate, Yudo. And then you kind of leave and Finley goes, you're Yudo, yeah? I'm like, yeah. He goes, hey, he says, wait, what? He's like, why the fuck are you friends with Orlando? Like, what do you mean? He's like, Orlando told me a story about how he bashed you <laughs> the first <laughs> <laughs> the first week of school apparently yeah, I sent yeah. some shit to you or something I can't remember word for word I was you know quite under the influence of alcohol yeah um, and he, yeah apparently I sent some shit to you and then you called me out and you bashed me pretty much yeah right and then I'm looking at Philly going I broke your nose to be fair that was, the, that was the real lie yeah. I broke your nose and you what shook the, my hand after the whole thing was a lie <laughs> I know I know I know, I, know. Um, I, I don't then know why I'm like to Philly what the fuck are you talking about like, yeah. I'm just like Wait, what? Yeah. Like, we got the same Orlando. Yeah. So pretty much I tell him that. I'm just like, look, that never happened. And we have a laugh about it. We're like, yeah, typical Orlando, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then the other day, this would, so that's three years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Shit, that's four years ago. Um, and then now, maybe a month ago. So recently we've gone into surfing, whatever. You go for a surf with Dan, yeah? And something happened when you guys were in the surf, yeah? Yeah. yeah let's just be honest here. Something happened in the surf, yeah? Yeah. And then... So Dunn comes home, obviously lives with me, top bloke, comes home and he tells me straight away. He's like, bro, this happened, you know, it was pretty funny or whatever, yada, yada, yada. And then I see you a week later, we go for a surf. <laughs> <laughs> and you ask me, you're like, has, you're like, oh, did Dunn tell you about what happened last week? And I'm like, I'm here, I'm sitting here going, I know the whole story back to front, but yeah, we've got to yeah. chat about it. And I'm like, um, you know what? I'm just going to say no. I'm like, I'm going to say no and see what you have to say. Yeah. See, I'm, gonna, I'm like getting the popcorn ready, bro. I'm like waiting for your story. <laughs> and you genuinely told the truth. Yeah. Not one word of a lie, which is massive. Mm. Huge. Because if that was you four years ago, <laughs> bro, you guys would, yeah. not, the story would have been completely different. Yeah. But you genuinely 
said the exact same thing mm. that what Dan said happened. That kid doesn't lie. So mm. I was like, holy shit. I was sitting there thinking, I'm the, I, I'm, I'm the movies right now, but this kid's going to tell me some yeah. fucking rubbish. Yeah. But you genuinely told the truth. And I was like, mm. you know what? Holy shit, that's huge from him. Mm. That he actually just told the truth. And I was just like, you know what? Tops to him. Doesn't talk shit. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, yeah. I was expecting something a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. the truth and I was like, you know what? Proud of you. Yeah. Massive. Oh, cheers to that. I appreciate it, man. No um, but yeah, no, looking back on it, it just seems so juvenile, that story, and just me wanting to be liked. But um, Pretty funny, Bob. Yeah, very funny. But uh, yeah, no, I just discovered the value of actually telling the truth and how it actually just make you, makes your life a lot simpler. Yeah. And with the, you know beauty of my job is I can live out a lie on screen mm. and you know cry for whatever reason yeah and um you know I can I can live my stories through there so I don't mm. have to do it through life but um yeah really yeah very appreciative that you yeah. shared that story <laughs> I had to <laughs> but, do it um, on the topic I had to do it alright so let's um we're almost out of time here so let's knock it off um last last couple quick fire questions mm. uh how do you deal with failure Shit. Or perceived, <laughs> or perceived um, failure. Let's say you know you a client's called you up, yeah. and you know you realize after that you may have you know fu- messed up a little bit of advice yeah, or something yeah. like that. How do you yeah. how do you go about that? To be fair, how I deal with it years ago compared to now is very different. Mm-hmm. I feel like I take ownership of it a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Like if I do that, I I will find myself that that's look to be honest because I can't provide advice, mm-hmm. everything I'm telling you is factual. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, I can tell you that if you do this, this will happen. And mm-hmm. if you do this, this will happen. So work-wise, there's not much time where I'm like, shit, what I did was wrong today. I shouldn't have done that. But if I do, which is not, which is, yeah, it happens, right? I always have customers' emails. I always flick an email. So I feel like I definitely just take a lot more ownership compared to, I used to always try and, whether I did something wrong or something happened, I always used to be like, well, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. This happened and this happened. Whereas now it's like, bro, you're 22 years old. Like, own that shit. Like, mm. if you fucked up, everyone fucks up. You know, like, what what can you do about it? Yeah. The person I was talking to, they fucked up probably yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone does it. So, it's more just like being comfortable with yourself and knowing that that shit's going to happen. That, And when you own it, it's like, at the end of the day, I feel like, when I used to try and blame other people or blame this or, you know, the moon was fucking full moon or some shit. Not that I ever did that, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like once you blame other people, it's like, it's not your fault. But like once you realize that, who, no one cares. No yeah. one gives a shit. If you fail, but like no one's going to look at you and go, you're a fucking failure. Yeah. Matt, you think you suck. Yeah. No one's going to say that to you. But if you stuff up and then you come back stronger or like I've had so many moments where I've done something wrong or done this or done that, but... If, and I haven't owned it and I've been like yep whatever that's someone else's fault and I haven't come back from it but whereas now if I fuck up or do something or fail whatever it's like I'm going to own it how am I going to do it or how am I going to make sure that doesn't happen again especially with work mm. because if I do that like I said one comment can change someone's whole perspective on what they're going to do for the rest of their life mm-hmm. or with the rest of their home loan so it's dire have, circumstances exactly right yeah. so I have to make sure that I know policy or I know what I'm going to say so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty much just like the main thing that, that, that I have to own that. 
and I can't make sure that that, that doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because uh, yeah. actually Zachary Brown gave a very Jimmy Briggs. <laughs> Jimmy Briggs shout out gave a, gave a very similar answer, and you know it's just something that's so overlooked but extremely powerful and actually no yeah i fucked up i'm really sorry i'm mm. not going to do it again here's how i can make up for it here's yeah. how i won't be able to do this again yeah whereas you know you get into the blaming game which you know um i think everyone has in in a certain part of their life mm. well, it's not beneficial even like at work for example in my so i work for st george now but before i used to work for westpac right and there's been times when i did things wrong right i but the first thing i did was walk up to my team manager and say hey, mate, this happened, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't have happened, it won't happen again. And he's just, and he was, he's more understanding when you do that rather than letting it happen, not saying a word about it and mm-hmm. hoping nothing happens from it. Because yeah. then in the back of your head, you're just like, shit, if he finds out or if mm-hmm. you know, she finds out or whatever happens. Whereas I never had that because I would always just be like, you know what, that shouldn't happen, I'm going to tell him. Because then if anything happens, he's like, well, he told me anyway, so I already knew about it. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to get sprung. Because if his boss says to him, well, Matt did this, then he's going to say, yeah, Matt already told me, so I already knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just lie about it or don't tell him or tell her or whatever, then it's just going to come back to you. Or mm-hmm. it can come back to you and it will come back 10 times worse. Oh, yeah. Don't keep things in the fog. No just, way. Like, bring it, bring them out because yeah. they can grow into these, you know, dragons of... of, of and then of, they'll trust you as well. Yeah. Because he'll trust that if he leaves you doing whatever you're doing that if anything happens you're going to tell him mm-hmm. or him in that situation so yeah I feel like that's just being upfront, just own it and you'll you'll see the benefits you'll reign the, the coins wicked wicked that's definitely something I'm taking from this podcast so um, thank you so I'll be endeavour to put that more into my life a little bit more but uh, last question before we wrap up money question no <laughs> to end it on a high note what are you grateful for Matthew Oof, so many things. I've been very fortunate, very, very fortunate. I'd probably say, first of all, probably parents and family. Um, and then definitely my mates and my missus, 100%. That each and every person has played a different part in helping me get to where I am, where I want to be. So, like, parents obviously there from the start, you know, helped me turn me into who I am, obviously mm-hmm. helped me in any situation I need help with. And then as I've gotten older, it's my mates have more taken on that role. And I feel like my circle of mates since like, let's say 2017 has just been getting smaller and smaller and smaller as you just slowly just drop the people that they're not really there for you. Mm. Like, you know that, I know that. Mm. So I'd rather have a close group of like, you know, 10 mates that if I need something or if I need to come to them and say, hey, look, man, I'm looking at doing this. Like I had... I chat with our good friend Marcus, shout out, top bloke, um, Marcus P, about the, the home loan stuff, so mm-hmm. wanting to invest in WA. And he, he studied the property economics, he worked in that, in that mm-hmm. department as well, obviously he doesn't work there anymore, uh, you know, that's a life-changing career for him, but when I had a chat with him, it wasn't, when I, when I spoke to him one-on-one, like we just went to go play tennis and after that, we had a chat for like an hour, mm-hmm. and it was just, you know, he was just offloading information that he's learned mm-hmm. onto me. And then whereas if you speak to Zach Brown or if you speak to good mate Nick Greggs as well, we work together, me and Nick. So anytime, anytime one of like, even when he got a new job, the first, well not first person, obviously, but straight away he tells me, he's like, oh, hey, bro, I got, did this happen, this happened? Straight away, it's like, congrats, you know, we've been talking about 
you know, you moving towards this for ages. Mm. I'm so proud of you, brother. Like, congratulations. Like, things are looking up for you. Whereas if you had that big circle of like 20 people or 30 people, like everyone's heard stories about how their mates have done things to them that they would never do to them, whatever. Mm. But that happens less and less if you have a small circle of mates that actually care about you. Mm. So even like the missus plays a different role yeah. in help. Like if I have a shit day or if I'm having whatever, she's always just there to like, you know, reinforce why I'm doing it and keep me motivated towards, you know, everything. So the mates and that kind of stuff, 100%. Like, be more grateful so wicked and that's yeah. how you can you know you tell your true friends and stealing yeah. this from another podcast as well jordan peterson and you can come to them with good news but, but also how, how many times have you gone to someone genuinely like especially as a bloke obviously mm. it's hard for everyone but to like open up about something mm-hmm. and you've told that to someone who you genuinely think mm. cares about you and then they just don't give a fuck mm. and you're just like well why am I like what the bro that was so hard for me to just tell you that yeah and you just didn't give a shit like like what what why are you like why am I even talking to you yeah if you don't even care about like if I tell you something that means a lot to me and you don't even have half you don't even think about it for half a second like are you really my mate yeah do you give you actually give a shit about me I feel like it's those you know it's those people where you know you can you go to them with good news and you know if they're, they're not your mate, if they're like, oh, that's great for you, but this happened for me, and it's like yeah, even greater. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. like you go to them with bad news, and they're like, that sucks, bro, but this happened to me like back then, and yeah, it was way yeah. worse than what you've got. Yeah. So like, you know, the constant happening. Yeah. I think your real, real true friends and people that you should keep close, you can come to them with good news. Like you come to me with good news, yeah. like, oh, this, this is happening. I'm like, yeah. dude, that's so fucking awesome. That's I hope 10 more things happen like that yeah, for you, because exactly right. that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually want you to, to do whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy, just do it. Exactly. But there's a lot of people out there that don't don't reciprocate that. But we focus on the ones that do. And exactly with saying right. that, thank you so much for no coming worries. on this po- podcast. I've learned so much from you. I'm yeah. very grateful to have you as a friend. Nah, you're and very uh, I, I, I look forward to hopefully more podcasts in the future. Yeah. We'll see all we can do. All right. Thanks, guys.